you. Just following up on that, um, just that you're aware, you, you can go to, a, there's a lot of different options. You can go to Mass, did you know, 6 o'clock, 6 o'clock on Saturday, that, that's good for Sunday. It's called the Vigil Mass, so you can go to that Mass also. Then we've got Mass at 8 o'clock and 10 o'clock and 12 o'clock and 2 o'clock and 5 o'clock. So uh, as Jeremy was saying, there's a lot of options, right? Uh, some parishes have maybe one Mass or two Mass, but you've got a lot of Masses. And I think most of you are bilingual, right? Most of you, you, with your parents, you're probably able to go from one language to the next, so you have a lot of options. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because the most important part of confirmation is going to Mass on Sunday, right? So if we don't go to Mass on Sunday, what's, uh, what's the purpose of being confirmed? It's like, um, if you're to buy me a new car, but there's no gasoline in the tank, what's the purpose? I don't want to get out and push the car on, on the freeway, do I? No? So, you know, if you want to you wanna be a follower of Christ, then you have, to, you have to encounter Christ, especially in the sacraments. Now, there could be a problem that you want to go to Mass, but um, maybe your parents don't go to Mass. And I, I, I know 70% of you, I know, I probably baptized you 14 years ago, and I know your parents, some of your parents you know very, very well. Uh, and I know, for example, Nick, you're not going to be missing Mass on Sunday. Probably not. I don't think so. Because your parents are these teachers here. Tomas, I know your parents. Joseph, I know your parents very well. Jack, I know your mom very well. Most of, most of you, your parents I know very well. I met your mother or grandmother last night. So, uh, it's up to you. You have to tell your parents that you want to go to Mass on Sunday, right? Uh, you have to tell your parents that. Well, when I was their age, Jeremy, I could go to Mass by myself. Those were maybe different days. When I was 13 or 14, I was mature enough to just get up and I would run cross country. I'd run two miles to church in the summer, then back. That's why I'm a priest, because I really believe in Mass, no? But... Um, Maybe you're not allowed to do that because of the more difficult times. But you do have a mouth, even though you have a mask, okay? You do have a mouth, and you have to tell your parents, look, I want to go to Mass on Sunday. If I were 14 or 15 and someone told me I had to go to Mass, that would be an insult for me when I was their age. You know why? Because it kicked me in the butt to go to Mass. Excuse my New York English. I went to Mass because I... I wanted to go to Mass, not to be forced to go to Mass. Given that your first year, uh, if, if you don't want to go to Mass on Sunday by the time next year, you should not be confirmed. Right? You support me? I said, if you, if you don't want to go to Mass, obviously you're not ready to be confirmed. I'm going to be confirmed and I'm going to start to live in mortal sin. I mean, that's a, that's a no-brainer, isn't it? No? So you have, to, you have to be very firm in the fact that Mass is not something optional. Listen, it's this serious. Jesus says this. If you don't eat his body and blood, you're, you're, you're not going to be saved. Which means, listen, John chapter 6. I am the bread of life. Whoever eats my body and drinks my blood will have everlasting life, and I'll raise him up on the last day. Whoever does not eat my body and drink my blood will not have everlasting life. That means you're going to hell. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's as clear as that. Amen. I know we're talking uh, using very strong language, but placing your salvation in jeopardy, there's no joke about that. Now, we don't want to go to hell. And that's going to be part of the topic this week and next week. A Lady Fatima talked about the reality of hell. Now, all of us, all of us could go to hell. I could go, you could go to hell, you could, and all of you could go to hell. And if we just willingly, or because of lazy, we flaunt the Mass as if it were something unimportant, we are placing our eternal salvation in jeopardy. Right? 
We're placing our eternal salvation in jeopardy. So don't don't play don't play Russian roulette with your salvation. You know what Russian roulette is with a gun? Don't play Russian roulette with your salvation. You don't want to blow your your brains out for all eternity, do you? No. Take your salvation very very seriously. So uh, I'm glad you brought that up because um, for me it's uh, it's so it's I, I I was trained to use logic. I want to be confirmed, but I don't go to mass on Sunday. It's like Nick going up and going up to to play baseball, but you forgot the bat. Come on, try to hit it with your pinky. Coming at you 85, 90 miles per hour. Good luck, pal. Right? Or try to drive a car without any gas. No. Or try to play soccer with one leg. Good luck. One leg. Or try to imagine you you have a back surgeon, my brother who's blind. Good luck. You're going to be a butcher rather than a surgeon, right? <laughs> so being a Catholic with going, without going to Mass is like getting in a car without gas. It's like playing baseball without a bat. It's like being a surgeon without your eyes. Good luck. Huh? So... Mass is so important. And if you don't fully believe it yet, go anyway and just obey. Sometimes it's good just obey. Maybe we don't understand all the reasons. Then one day, one day you're going to wake up and say, hey, I really want to go to Mass because I encounter God there. And then this may be the shock of your parents' life we don't have to go to a mass. We don't have to go to school on Monday. Mom, can we go to mass tomorrow because I have a free day from school? And your parents will probably have a heart attack. But you know they've got you've got nine one one, right? And you work in that, don't you? Okay. So uh, one day maybe you, you'll, your parents will have a shock on a on a holiday, or maybe during the summer the, the, their teenage son or daughter will say, "Let's go to daily mass, huh?" Maybe one day they'll say that. I know there are miracles, right? Miracles can happen. All right. So I'm expounding upon what you're saying, which is, it has to be said. It has to be said. Now, today is, uh, today is, um, sometimes I'm losing my English. In Spanish, el día de los enamorados, el día de la amistad. Some of you understand a little bit of Spanish? You forgot it all, huh? El día de los enamorados. El día de la amistad. Which is, is the day, uh, the day of lovers and the day of, uh, of friendship. Let's talk a couple minutes about that. How do you know, how do you really know someone loves you? I think it's an important question, right? I think it's a very important question. Don't all speak at the same time, no? Or there's too much confusion among the mass, right? Well, I'll give you, I'll give you a response. You listening? Yeah. Okay. Here we have the image of St. Faustino. In the diary. You know someone loves you by the willingness of the loved one to suffer for you. Do you agree with that? Rosa, Jeremy? Did you hear that? You know someone loves you by the willingness of the loved one to suffer for you. Do you hear that? I repeat, we know someone loves us by the willingness of the loved one to suffer for you. Do you know anyone that ever suffered for you? Yes, you do. I do. One of the persons I know was a person 
that I admired very much. He died about seven years ago. You know who that was? That, that person happened to be my father. I think he really loved us. Probably like you. I mean, he'd get up very early in the morning, coming back late at night, uh, hard work, because he wanted to he wanted to support us. I mean, how many of you have nine siblings? Here I am. <laughs> I'm from a bit, much bigger family than all of you. He knew that he had to work hard to be able to send one to become a back surgeon, another one to become a priest, you know, kind of high-tech vocations, right? He knew that he'd have to suffer a lot. And another person I really believed, I think my mother. Do you know that my, my mom and dad had five teenagers at the same time? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that, Rosa? <laughs> you got two. You got two and you're probably going berserk at times, huh? <laughs> No, no offense, Nick. No, no. But uh, yeah, that. But you know, I, I never saw my mom really stressed out or sad. I always saw her very happy. You know, because I think she was always very close to God. But that would have taken a lot of effort, right? A lot of exertion, ups and downs. No. How many in your family? Nine. Nine. I bet you. I know. I, I've known his his mother. Um, I think when she only had two kids. No, well, Diego is about twenty five. You know, the two older ones are thirty, right? Thirty and twenty nine. So, I've known his family for many years. No, his mom probably had five teenagers at the same time. And you know, I know his mother, she's always got a big smile on her face. Isn't she? She's also, she's also always joyful. Hmm? I don't think I've ever seen her sad, no? She's a great mom. She prays. She comes to Mass almost every day when she can, right? Uh, she loves her kids. And yeah, because your mom is close to God, you see. She, but she suffered a lot having a big family of sex, right? But she's joyful. So, yeah. Joy comes... But love is shown by the willingness to suffer for the loved one. Right? Now let's take that one more step. One more step. One more step. Okay, all of you know who Jesus Christ is, right? Do you know who Jesus Christ was? In your life, what impresses you most, most about Jesus Christ and how much he loves you? I think it's a no-brainer. In eight days, we enter into Lent when you're going to get your ashes, right? You're going to come to get your ashes, huh? I hope you do. In the life of Christ... What touches me most about his life is what, what is called his passion. His passion and death. The fact that he sweat blood. None of us have ever sweat blood. The fact that he was scourged at the pillar. He was whipped. Now none of you have probably seen the movie of Mel Gibson. Probably none of you have seen the Passion of the Christ. None of you? What did you think, Jack? Powerful, right? Yeah. Azul? Got me crying. Oh, yeah, I mean, you, I don't think you can watch that without crying. I couldn't barely watch the, the scourging. Did, could you watch that? It went on for eight minutes. Did you, did you clock it? It wasn't a minute. Maybe when you're a little bit older, you might ask your parents to see the movie, The Passion of Christ. You've probably seen it, right? Rosa, you've seen it? Okay. You, 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 okay, you guys saw it. It's powerful, right? I think it's worth seeing when they're old enough, but it's strong. You know, he was scourged. He was crowned with thorns. 
They spat on him. He carried his cross. He fell down. He got up. And he, w- he was nailed to the cross, Jack. Can you imagine having your, your hands nailed to a piece of wood, and then your feet. Then you're hanging up on the cross. You know how he died? Three, three, three reasons biologically. You know what they are? Exhaustion. And who wouldn't be exhausted after all that? So, exhaustion means in English, no more energy left. Second is that he lost tons of blood. Tons of blood. And you said this, Mary, I think one of the best, worst ways is that I'm, af- I'm afraid of it also not to be able to breathe, right? Doesn't that scare you? I've, I've, I've felt the same thing as you. I don't want to, I don't want to die being suffocated. Maybe you've seen that at times. I would, I think, maybe Terry always said that was the, about the worst way to go. I mean, God could allow it such that we get coronavirus. How do they die coronavirus? It's basically suffocation, right? Right? That's usually the basic cause, and you can no longer breathe, and you have to have one of those, uh, uh, what's it called, a breathing machine? Ventilator, and then you, they have to pump it into you, and then your, your lungs can't work by themselves. Eventually, you, you can't breathe anymore, and you die. Jesus died of suffocation. Did you know that? Did you know that, Tom? Because he was on the cross and he had to pull himself up to inhale, then he had to sink down. So he had to pull in the air and then exhale it out. And he's hanging on the cross and basically you see his body was caving in. So the pulmonary cavity, I think that's what it's called, started to fill up with fluid and he could no longer breathe by himself. So basically, it was exhaustion, loss of blood, and not being able to breathe. Now, why did he do that? We're talking about the day of lovers, no? This sentimental, this sentimental giving hearts and the fat little angels, and I, I've never really liked that, no? I've never, that never appealed, even when I was a kid, I thought that's, that's sentimental cotton candy. I, <laughs> I never really liked it. Maybe you did, Rose and Jeremy. I thought it was a lot of baloney, no? <laughs> but the, the essence of love is that he, Jesus suffered all of that for you. You hear that? He suffered all that for you. And for you too. If you were the only person in the world, he would have gone that for you. And you too. Wow. You hear that? So you're the, you're, only, you're the only person in the world. Everything that I mentioned quickly, and it's much more than that, he would have suffered that for you and for you. Myself as a Catholic priest is that what what touches me most. I preach that in the exercises. So our religion has rules, but it's basically a love affair. Yeah. Right? There's a lot of rules. We gotta be and hey, we gotta obey the commandments, yeah. But above and beyond the commandments is that God loves you. Do you believe it? Now, once you, once you kids, once you kids go from the head to the heart, and you really believe it, that's going to change your life. I promise you. And hopefully, it'll happen one day. Hopefully, it'll happen one day that they'll get up. Hey, I really recognize that God loves me, and His mother loves me. That's going to ch- that's going to change totally your perspective. You're not going to be living with so much fear and anxiety and nervousness and looking at other people. Politics, the economic situation, Ukraine. Okay, there are problems. But if I know that God loves me, that changes totally the perspective. You both experienced that, right? You've experienced that. And it's changed your life. Not that the world has changed, but your perspective of the world has changed because you know that God loves you. Right? That's what we want. 
everything we're doing, we're trying to bring these kids to that reality. Right? Everything else is secondary. You arrive at a point in two years, I know that God loves me. And I, and I have your parents as my students. I'm, I'm telling your parents, unless you recognize that God loves you, you're not going to be able to love your kids the way you should. You can't get what you don't have. No brainer, huh? I deal, I mean, your parents are my students too. You know? Until we come to that keen awareness, God loving us and even suffering, shedding every drop of blood for you, wow, how important you are. And the topic of sin that we're, we're, we're dealing with, you know, we say, we say no to temptation, we're saying yes to the love of God. Yep. See it that way. Sin is not so much the negative, but it's the negation of saying no to the sin, I say yes to the love of God. Amen? Yeah. Okay, so you want to find the day of lovers and friendship, you have to find refuge in two places. In Mary's heart and Jesus' heart. Right? We want to find our refuge in this heart and that heart. If you go to Mass today, you go to Mass today, we have the, the story of Noah's Ark. Did any of you ever hear of Noah and his Ark? No? What happened? Noah's Ark? You remember? You forgot. You know it, but you can't express it. Anyone else? No? No one? Noah's Ark? No? No? What happened? Why? I don't know. Okay, anyone know why the flood, flood came about, Thomas? I was angry at the people because Okay, so the whole world was filled with people and basically they rejected God. God said that's not enough. So there was one family, his name was Noah, his wife, his two sons and the daughters. And what did he do? He built an ark, according to what I've read, about the size of, of a football field. Okay? They found it on Mount Arafat, they say. It was about the size of a football field, which would be 300 feet. And then, what did God say? Noah get inside, as well as his, his family, and what else? A couple of animals. A pair of animals. Then once the doors were shut, what happened? Nick? There was rain, right? For 40 days and 40 nights. And what happened to the people? They're all drowned, right? So, Noah was saved because he was in the ark. The ark. I'm going to show you the two modern arks. The heart of Jesus, the heart of Mary. Amen? The marrying option. Yep. We want to find refuge in the heart of Mary and the heart of Jesus. Amen? Yeah. That's where I want to find my refuge. This is the heart I love. That's the heart I love. We want to find refuge there. Don't you? Yes. Otherwise, you know, if you don't, otherwise, you know where you're going to be seeking refuge? And drinking, and drugs, and porn, and casinos, and wine, and women, and buying, and eating, right? If we don't seek, if we don't seek our refuge in the true hearts, we're going to be looking for a false love. I think about St. Augustine today. St. Augustine, he was looking for love in the wrong place, wasn't he? He was, in learning and these women. And he finally recognized because of the prayers of his mother, St. Monica, this is a lie. He said, Lord, give me chastity, not yet. And finally said, I'm ready for it. No? And then he said no to his idolatry. He said yes to the love of God. You ever see a statue of St. Augustine? Dressed as a bishop with his hand outside and a heart there. I studied at Villanova with the, with the Augustinian four years. Dressed as a bishop with a mitre and crozier. And there you have his heart. And you got the classic saying of Augustine. O Lord, you have made our hearts for thee. Our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. Confession. You ever hear that one? O Lord, you have made our hearts for thee. Our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. Yeah. Right, Mary? Absolutely. O Lord, you made our hearts for thee. Our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. We don't want to rest in anything except in God. Amen? Yeah. Rest in anyone, any person except resting in God. Got it? Yeah. 
Okay, so I was able to write out this. This is going to take a couple of weeks, uh, but given the topic is so important, this is all a remote pre preparation for March 19th. March 19th, which is the day of St. Joseph, in which we're going to have a the chastity mass. You're going to be getting your ring. Okay? In the ring, you know what you're going to do? You're going to give that to your husband on your wedding night. Amen? Okay? And no relations. No relations. No relations. So you get married. Got it? That's the whole purpose of it. Wedding night. Here it is. Give it to your husband. And it's going to be your first and your last husband. You're not going to seek for five, okay? You're going to say, no, Father, I like the high five. No. <laughs> I like the high five. No, 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 no. no. That's a, a wrong interpretation of that, right? Remember, I once heard a story. There was a priest who was confessing these children. It was the first time the kid went to confession. And the priest lifted up his hand like this. And the kid gave him a high five. You know? <laughs> All right. So you ready? Joseph, you ready? Jack, you got your thinking cap on? Is it screwed on right? Okay, good. So, you ready? The topic is Our Lady of Fatima's important message. So, I'd like to read and probably comment and like to, to write in the margin some of the ideas. Okay, who is that lady in the picture? Any of you know? Is that Our Lady of Guadalupe? Our Lady of Lourdes? Our Lady of Chanstahova? No? Joseph? It's Our Lady of Fatima because there are a lot of different apparitions, right? A lot of different apparitions. It's Our Lady of Fatima. So she appeared in Fatima, Portugal in the year 1917. And she revealed important messages to the children and the whole world. I'd like to make a, a historical comment. Do any of you study history in school or that's something that was something that only we studied, no? Do you, know what, do you know what happened in 1917? Our Lady appeared in Fatima, but that was what is called the, the Bolshevik Revolution. You know what that is? Nick, you're going to study that probably, no? The Bolshevik and the Menshevik Revolution was a revolution of the uh, communists in Russia. Did you know that? The communists in Russia. So R Russia, Russia was a very, very Catholic country. In the 1800s, very, very Catholic. So you have the Bolshevik and the Menshevik revolution. As a result of that, communism comes in to the modern world. And Our Lady Fatima said, if we don't pray and offer up sacrifices, then Russia will spread her errors throughout the whole world. Did you ever hear of China? Do you know that China has more than a billion people? China's communist. That's a prophecy of a lady. It took several decades for it to happen. Communists get to China. China's what? At one point, I think it's 1.3 billion people. That and India, the two biggest countries in the world, population-wise. What about what about Vietnam? How about Korea? Okay, okay. So, so North Korea, communist. South Korea, no. How about Albania? Communist. How about Cuba? Because of one guy, Fidel Castro. Where are we heading in the United States? Not to scare anyone. Where are we heading in the United States? None of you have a degree in political science. I don't either, but I'm, I'm keenly aware of what's going on. You know, Jeremy, we're heading in that direction, aren't we? How about the universities? How about the mass media? How about politics? See, we're, I mean, we haven't arrived there yet. Thanks be to God. But this, this is a prophecy of Our Lady Fatima, even to this country. What Mary says is going to become a reality. I think it's fascinating, this prophecy. Fascinating. 
Now, what, what does communism? Uh, what does communism teach? Communism teaches that God doesn't exist. Yes. Yes, that God does not exist. Who was the one that promoted that? Vladimir Lenin, Stalin, Khrushchev. Okay. Who wrote on that? Das Kapital, Karl Marx. Okay. Karl Marx would be the platform for modern communism. So once you get into a communist government, you can't practice your faith. If I were to go into into China communists, I'd be thrown in jail and I'd be killed. Vietnam too. Russia too. So the prophecy was very interesting. That Russia will spread its errors throughout the whole world if you don't pray and do penance. Now back, back in 1917, my friends, Russia was about the poorest country in Eastern Europe. It wasn't Germany or Austria or France who had a lot of money, a lot of power. Russia was poor. Very poor. And now they're, they're a world power, right? Trying to dominate the Ukraine. Okay? And they want to overcome us eventually. But it's, it's, it's communistic. You know what they say? Religion is the opium of the people. Okay? That's what they say. Let the poor people believe in God just to calm them down. So I don't know about about you, but I see it fascinating. Communism is starting when a lady appears at the same time. Nothing happens by chance. A lady was basically warning the world of the danger of communism. So what this this country has a, is called a democracy now, right? You've heard of democracy, right? But it could change. It could change. And if we don't pray, we don't do penance, we don't go to Mass, we don't try to love God, that could enter into our country. I don't want to scare any of you, but this is the political reality in which we live today. Right? And we can't, we can't live like a, an ostrich with their head in the sand. So remember the year 1917. 1917, very key year. This is right, this is right during the, the First World War, okay? Where millions of people are going to die. She made another prophecy, Tomas. If you don't stop sending, a worse world war will break out. What happened in 1938? 1938, the Nazis marched into Warsaw. You ever hear Warsaw? Warsaw, which was one of the key cities of Poland. And they end up by totally destroying Warsaw. Not too far from where John Paul, John Paul II from Krakow, but Warsaw is not too far away. I was there about 15 years ago. That was a prophecy realist. You don't stop sinning, a worse world war will break out. And you know who the person who killed most, most people in the world? Any of you know? Joseph Stalin. 20 million. That was the second world war, and he was a Russian. You thought that Hitler, Hitler killed a lot? He did. Stalin was about Hitler, five, six million. Stalin was about 20 million people. 20 million, uh, yeah. yeah, right? Now you know the history. But all of this is a, is a prophecy that came about by Our Lady of Adam in 1917. Very interesting. And you know your history, no? But I'm saying as a result of, of, as a result of him being the leader, he had these people that were killed. Because he was the head of, of Russia back then, right? Got that? Okay, so let's move on. So even after 1917, she revealed other serious but extremely important messages that we should take to heart. Now, in fact, our eternal <coughs> salvation could depend on listening attentively, heeding dutifully, and obeying promptly these messages. Okay, three of the most important or meaning important messages relate to the sixth and ninth commandments. They are thou shalt not commit adultery, 
thou shalt not covet your neighbor's wife. Okay? Did you ever hear the word adultery? No? One little kid thought that adultery means disobeying the adults. That's, that's what it means? No? No, committing adultery is not disobeying adults. That's the fourth commandment. Okay? <laughs> adultery means, hey, once you get married, once you get married, you're with your Sylvester and with Pina until the death. Yes, that's your parents, right? Now you're, you know, once you get married, you're, you're with that person until you, until you die. Until you die. Sometimes people get married and they don't know the the impact of that decision. Isn't that important? You're preparing couples, right? It's very, very important. You try to imagine you're you're, you're married. Are you listening? You're going to be with that person another 65 years. Think we'll be able to put up with that? Well, you know, you got to make the right choice, right? Get married after the honeymoon. Oh no, I don't want to be with this person. I'm just with the person ten days, and I want to jump ship. I've got to be with them another sixty-five years. Ah! <laughs> so make sure that you might make the right the right decision. Hmm? Yeah, a lot of the girls. I think you have the five B's, huh? You know the five B's. Do you know them? Brains, brawn, beauty, and big bucks. Ah. Got it, Jack? You like that one? <laughs> it's a pretty good acronym, isn't it? No, but a lot of a lot follow it. Brains, brawn, beauty, and big bucks, Billy. Huh? <laughs> Got that, Nick? That should not be the criteria. You want to marry a spouse that's madly in love with God. Right? You want to marry a wife that's madly in love with God, a husband that's madly in love with God, then you're going to be able to love your kids and get them all to heaven. Right? So just dump the five Bs. Right, Jeremy? <laughs> just trash the five Bs, huh? <laughs> I think there's a lot of people that have that criteria, at least four or five of those, huh? That's right. What happens is they get 50 and they start to lose their hair and their memory, right? The brawn turns into flab, gordita. No? <laughs> the big bucks, <laughs> they lose their job. They're on the, on the street there with the metal, with metal cup. Buddy, can you spare a dollar? No. <laughs> you can't live up to it always, can you? No? But you can't always live up to loving God. Whether you have a lot of money or not, you can always love God. Not that? Okay. So the sixth commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery, and then you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. Not covet your neighbor's wife. You know, in a certain sense, you know, you, you, you shouldn't be looking at bad things on the internet. You know what I'm talking about? Try to avoid that. That's a good interpretation of that. Watch over those eyes. The eyes are the mirror of the soul. Yeah. Watch over those eyes. The eyes and mirror the soul. You don't want to allow anything to enter into. And this is the whole psychological dynamic. What goes into your eyes goes up to your memory. From your memory into your understanding. And it goes from there into your emotions, into your heart. Then you act it out. And an action that's repeated becomes a habit a good habit is a virtue, a bad habit is a vice that forms your character and then your destiny. You like that? I wonder if you could, you could repeat that, huh? But that's the whole psychological, spiritual dynamic of what's, what we're putting into our eyes, huh? I like what Fulton Sheen says. Fulton Sheen says this. So, you listening? says this 
How many of us, you hear your parents ring the bell, hey, time to eat. And you say, hey, mom, what do you got prepared today? Well, I thought I had a new recipe. I went off to the street and I gathered it up and I just put it in the microwave. I have trash from the street. We're going to eat that today. I don't think you do that. But Fulton Sheen says, how many of us eat trash with our eyes? Got that? How many of us we eat trash with our eyes? Yeah. Now, if you eat trash from the street, I'm going to use a New York word, a good puke. You know what puke means? No? That's New York for a good vomit. We'll get it out of your system, right? But if you eat trash with your eyes, hey, pal, it's not easy to get that out. Right? It's lodged there in the memory bank. Now, I don't agree with Freud on almost everything, but I do believe in his, his understanding of the subconscious state. And that's very Ignatian. And I don't agree with him on a lot of things that he says. Sigmund Freud, the father of modern psychology. But I do agree with him. We have a conscious level life and we have a subconscious level. Do you know that our subconscious level depends on what? On our past experiences. So our past experiences, they're kept in the archives of your memory bank. Right? And then they surface. Then they surface. So we want to we want to put into these eyes and mind only good things, right? You want to only put good things here, not bad things. That's why you're not going to be eating junk tonight. We're right up the street from Cyprus. You don't want to get that type and fill yourself with that. No, but you don't want to fill your eyes and your mind with junk either. Otherwise, you're going to be a junky person, basura. Huh? We don't want that. You got that? And that's why we're here. We're trying to learn as much as we can in an hour. Okay? It's not that much. We try to learn as much as we can. And now we want to fill ourselves with God, right? You fill your mind, your eyes, your heart with God, then you're going to be a godly person. Fill yourself with the love of God and then you can love other things and persons the way God wants you to love them. Right, Jack? Yeah. Okay. So, next. Next paragraph. Also, the serious warnings of Our Lady made clear reference to one of the sacraments. The sacrament of holy matrimony. This is one of the two sacraments of service. So what I want you to write on the margin there, right next to it, uh, no trial marriages. That's really common today. No trial marriages. Write down, no living together. Now you're young, but you're going to be noticing this becoming an epidemic in the past, I'd say, 30 years. Because when I was their age, almost all the Catholics, they'd be married in the church. The Jews would be married in the temple. The Protestants would be married in the Lutheran church. No. But now, every Tom, Dick, and Harry is, is living together. You know what they say? Well, we have to check to see if we're compatible. Yeah. <laughs> and we say in New York, we got to see if we got chemistry, chemistry. <laughs> La química. <laughs> Got to see whether or not we're compatible, whether or not really works out. Have to have a trial, marriage to see whether or not it's going to work out for a couple of years. You're living together for five years, you got two kids, and it doesn't work out. You got two kids, and 15 years they're going to be cholas from Hawaiian Gardens, huh? They will be. Where do the cholos come from? Broken families. They're called the street family. The street family, huh? From broken families. I've been living here for many, many years. I know the guys, huh? <laughs> yeah, you're around. You weren't born yesterday. Broken, dysfunctional families. There's no love in the house. They gravitate toward the street. They form a family there, and they get into problems. They get thrown in jail three or four times, and they get shot by the Artesia gang, and then they're dead meat in the, hosp in, in, in the cemetery. Huh? 
Yeah, I wasn't born yesterday. But it's all because of a lack of love. The love is not manifested through the family, so it's growing up with a lack of love and looking for the wrong love there in the street. So if you do choose to get married one day, don't start to live with your boyfriend. Now what if it doesn't work out, Father? Well then, wait, okay. What they should do, first get a college degree. First get a college degree. Then have $10,000 in the bank. Then ask that Miss Wonderful will knock at your door. Miss Wonderful is someone that goes to mass, goes to confession. She's got a college degree also. And she wants to raise a good family with you. Got that? Yeah. No, I think I'm going to look for a boyfriend that's in a bar. He's bald. He's got baggy pants. He's got sunglasses on. He's got tattoos from his eyebrows all the way to his feet. That's my future husband. Right, <laughs> right Rose? <laughs> That's not a good criteria, is it, no? You know, you got to look for someone, not in a cantina or bar, but look for someone, someone that's going to church, practicing the faith, saying his rosary, right? Going to Mass, going to confession, reading the Bible, coming to confirmation. Those are the type of, the type of person you want to eventually have as your future spouse. If maybe a couple of you guys are called to become priests, okay? Make sure if God calls you to become a priest, make sure that you become one, okay? We can use priests, right? I'd say probably here you got, I'd say two or three guys here are called to become priests. What do you think? Maybe more. I think maybe five, you know? Look at, look at, the, they're looking at me, they're going like this. <laughs> no, no. Five, uh, uh, five, no tender, no tender glace, no. <laughs> Come on, you guys understand English. No, you have a New York accent. Come on, it's not that bad, is it? <laughs> I think, Mary, I think we have some vocations here. I'm sure of it. Don't you think? Yeah? The fact that they're going like this, they know that God is knocking at the door of their hearts, no? That'd be great. We've got to pray for it, right? Harvest is rich, yeah? Maybe you. Harvest is rich, the labors are few, huh? It happens, you know. We, we hear we, we hear the voice. I had the homily the other day, selective listening. No, we, we hear the voice. We hear God's voice. But what do we do? We go like this. No, God, I, I can't hear you. No. And your mom and dad say, "Let's go to Disneyland. Let's go to Baskin Robbins. I hear very clearly." <laughs> Did you hear that? Oh, Disney, Baskin Robbins, then Chuck E. Cheese. I heard that very clearly. <laughs> You hear that now? I thought you did. <laughs> so select the listening. Huh? Okay, so this is one of the sacraments of service. Matrimony is designed for the couple to be at the service of both human life and the formation and sustenance of the family. The other sacrament of service is that of holy orders or the priesthood designed as an offering of service to the church. Okay, I've said it once and I'll say it again. Okay? Marriage has to be between a man and a woman. You hear that? <laughs> I'm going to say it and I'm going to tell you guys, leave me, I'm going to be pounding away at that because in school you hear something totally different. Right? Marriage is between a man and a woman. It's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, right? <laughs> is that the Bible? Is it Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve, or Adam and Steve? What do you think, Thomas? It's Adam and Eve, right? So, this whole idea that they're trying to shove down your throat in school, that a, a woman can marry a woman and a man can marry a man, it's already legal in California. God doesn't want that. No, God doesn't want that. What is what is legal is not always moral. Is that that, Joseph? Yeah. You hear that? What's legal is not always moral. Which means all the laws we have are not always good laws. Most of the laws are good in this country. Most are. But not all of them are good because abortion is wrong. Right, Jack? Okay? A, man, a woman living with a woman is wrong. 
A man living with a man is wrong. And I know you may maybe get angry at this, but I don't agree with them selling marijuana. Do you? Well, it's legal now. We all have a, a chance to relax and enjoy life. I don't agree with that. And probably some of you already smoke marijuana, or, or maybe put it in your gum, whatever, whatever way. I've never taken it in my life, so I don't know how you take it, but I know that it's becoming legal. And there are accidents now in, on the freeway, in the back roads, because people are, are, are taking drugs, and they can't see clearly. They get in a car accident, and they end up by killing someone. So you see what's going on in the society. They're legalizing things that are wrong. So what is legal is not always moral. Okay, Got that? Legality and morality is not always the same thing. Got that? So, try to follow God and don't follow, don't, don't follow what the society is teaching us, which goes against the law of God. Okay, next. Therefore, let us, let us lay out with utmost clarity the prophetic messages and admonitions of Our Lady Fatima. She is indeed the mother of God, the mother of the church, and she is our dear and loving mother. In fact, the two, two greatest desires of Mary are the following. That God be known, honored, praised, obeyed, and loved. Right? God wants to be known. That's why we're here. He wants to be honored. Okay? He wants also to be praised, obeyed, and loved. This is the day of the lovers. God wants us to love him. God wants us to love him. And then, she wants all of us to attain to eternal happiness in heaven. What would happen if I told you, tomorrow at 3 o'clock in the morning... 3 o'clock in the morning, pretty early. If you came to the church, I would give you $5 billion. Would you come? No, I think I'll sleep in. I want $10 billion, Father. Okay. Tell you, I would certainly come if you're going to give it to me. I have a lot of poor people I'd like to help out. Not to go to Las Vegas. I don't care about that. Or even the casino right over there. No? <laughs> I think all of you, you'd be here at 3 o'clock in the morning to get the 5 billion bucks. I know you. You would, yeah. What would happen if I told them at 3 o'clock in the morning, I will celebrate a special mass for them. I'm a priest, right? Wow. What's more important? The money or God? Got that? What do you think? Hello? Hi. Hello? See, what we do, we, we have a tendency to place the material above the spiritual, the temporal above the eternal, the visible over the invisible. That's what we do. We tend to place things that are not as important as super important, and what's super important is not important. That's why what you said in the beginning, you've got to come to Mass. Do you know the most important gesture you can do in your life is to go to Mass and receive communion with love. Did you hear that? Yeah. Did you hear that? The most important thing you can do in your life is go to Mass and receive communion with love. Nothing greater than that. Right, Mary? Right. Yeah. Greatest thing. Go to Mass and receive communion with love. That's the greatest thing in the whole world. You too. That's the day of lovers, receiving the, the love of lovers into a heart and holy communion. Nothing greater than that. Both of you agree with that? Yeah. Going to daily mass. Some of you, you go to daily mass, right? And if you don't go to daily mass, you feel that something's lacking, right? Yeah, they go to daily mass. And if you go to daily mass too, right? You don't go, you feel something's really missing. You go to a soup. There's some of you. Jack, you go to daily mass sometimes? At times, right? And some of your parents should take you to daily mass because they know that that's so important. And your parents come to daily mass because they know that's the most important thing in the world, right? So, 
that's uh, that's greater than all the money in the world. Okay, in a word, these three warnings or admonitions serve as clear and convincing signposts to help us avoid the eternal loss of our immortal soul and the stark reality of hell. All right. Now, I'm sure you want to go to heaven. But do you want to become a great saint? There's another question. You want to go to heaven, right? How about you? You want to become a great saint? Ah, I see your lips are sealed, huh? Got a zipper on your lips, huh? But really, it really going to heaven and become a saint is the same thing. I'll prove it. Who's in heaven? The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, Mary, the angels, and the... Got it? Logic, huh? So for you to get to heaven, all of us that get to heaven, we have to become saints. Isn't that true? You, you may not be canonized, proclaimed officially by the Pope. You might be an anonymous saint, but you have to become a saint if you want to get to heaven. You got that? So you should pray, make me a saint. Make me a saint. That's a good prayer. Listening to relevant radio today in uh, Patrick Madrid was quoting St. Dominic Savio. Okay? Yeah, the last ten minutes before we... He had some pretty good things. You hear that? That's right. The, the motto of St. Dominic Savio... You ever hear of him? St. Dominic Savio of John Bosco? His motto was, I prefer death rather than sin. Yeah. That was his motto for his first communion day. Do you know when he died... Are any of you 14 yet? Not yet. 13? Anyone 14 here? He was 14 in 11 months. And he became a great saint. So they can become great saints if they want to. And I think, why, why should you waste the teenage years? Now is the time for them to work to become saints, right? We have a miss. They can concept, well, you're a teenager, you got to sow your wild oats and you got to do it. That's, that's, that's wrong. Right now is the time to try to become saints. They have the tools. We're giving them the tools, right? It's a question of trying to use these tools. So uh, I want you to write next to, right next to that picture, I want you to know the names. Do any of you know the names of those three little kids? What's the name of the little the little girl with her hands folded? Well, anyone know her name? Asul? Okay, so write down. Is it just Hacinta, or should we put something before that? Yeah, she's already a saint. So put Saint Hacinta. You know, she died, Jeremy, at nine years. Not even ten. So she became a great saint pretty quickly. Now, the girl in middle, would any of you know her name? Okay, that's Lucy. Not, she's not a saint yet. <laughs> you know why? She, she died when she was about 100. I think it was 98, 99. So she died in the year 2005, which was a couple months before John Paul II. They both died in 2005. I think she's a servant of God. I have to look into that. But she lived a life of great holiness. And who's the other? Who's that boy? What's his name? Nick, you know? Okay, so put, you skipped skip something. What? St. Francisco. Francisco. You know his last name, do you know? Marto. Marto. So the little girl and the boy, they were brother and sister. And the girl in the middle was actually their cousin. Okay? Her, her last name is Lucia de los Santos. Yeah. Jack. Wait, what's the sign of the middle? Okay, in the middle, she's not a, her name is Lucia de los Santos. The other two, they died, and Francisco was about 10 when he died. They were both canonized in the year 2017 by Pope Francis, which was the 100th anniversary of these apparitions. Yeah. 100th anniversary. That's when my, my book came out, too, by the way. <laughs> On the rosary. No? Okay, so I, I purposely wanted to spend two classes on this. So next week we'll follow up, okay? And where are they going on Sunday, Jeremy? Mass. 
What do you guys going on Sunday? Okay, make sure you go to Mass on Sunday, okay? You guys too, right? Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among them. Blessed the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now at the hour of our death. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay. Okay, so... Uh,